I'd like to welcome everyone to the Florence Weinberg Show. Frank McKay here. So much more importantly, the author of 16 books, including her latest, I should say her last two, because they came out pretty quickly. The choice is the latest. Prior to that, it was before the Alamo. And both are excellent, much different books. But uh, I'll tell you what, just uh, get get all of them if you can. Get all of them that are available. Frank McKay here. So much more importantly, Dr. Florence Byham Weinberg is our host each and every week. She's the subject of a documentary. She's got so much going on. Uh, Doc, how are you? I'm doing okay. Thank you, Frank. Well, uh, I know you're incredibly busy these days, so uh, I'm glad you could be here. Well, thank you. Yeah, thank you, and uh, thrilled to talk to you. I, I was, I was right after I was going to say, uh, right after I said, "How are you doing?" I was going to say, "How is our country doing?" And uh, and you know, you got Uvalde uh, right up there. We've uh, you know, we have headlines everywhere you look. We got uh, the January sixth. Uh, committee uh, going on. We have uh, we have the war in the Ukraine. We have all kinds of things happening, but somehow or another, Uvalde seals the headlines by you. Yes, uh, certainly does because this is San Antonio, Texas, and Uvalde is only eighty-four miles from here. And in Texas, things are spread out so that uh, a town 84 miles away is almost like a suburb to, to us. Uh, there are a lot of people who live here who have relatives and friends in uh, Uvalde. So uh, there's concern. And therefore, it's not the January 6th committee hearings. It's not uh, Ukraine. It's Uvalde that's getting uh, major headlines. Uh, and today it was the second headline, but it's been the first one for weeks now. Uh, and I think Uvalde has shocked the nation more than most mass shootings. And the reason, I believe, is because of the incredible mismanagement and misjudgment and misbehavior of the police. The, the police who were especially hired to protect the school. Um, their leader, the captain, a chief officer, uh, decided to let the killer remain sequestered uh, with his victims for 72 minutes, while the rest of the students, who were not threatened by the gunmen, were being extracted from the from the other schoolrooms. Uh, and I think his attention was more on saving the other. Uh, the other uh, students and was on the people dying in those rooms and the gunmen still still there, still alive. Uh, what was happening in those two rooms was that people who could be saved were bleeding out and indeed died, and that included one of the teachers who, who could have been saved. So uh, people were very shocked at this, and obviously that was one reason why it remained in the headlines, and we still do not know all the details. And the headline today is about precisely the fact that our attorney general here in Texas takes the uh, takes the uh, darn this. This uh, telephone of mine is uh, is bothering me, um, but anyway, uh, takes um, takes the inaction of the uh, uh, police as something that should not be communicated to the uh, to the 
it, to it the might press. be important. Do you want to check your uh, check your call? And and while you do, I'll just remind folks of who we're listening to. You you want to check that? Could that be urgent? Yeah, I think it's. I think it's. Um, so here we go. Okay. I thought it was, I thought it was uh, text messages coming in, but it was a uh, call. But they gave up. Yeah. Well, that's good. But go, go ahead. Go back to what you were saying. Right. Uh, so our attorney general. Uh, takes the, I think, a Trumpian point of view of the press, namely that the press is the enemy. And therefore, we must keep uh, keep the truth of what happened in that hallway and in the room, in the room uh, where the uh, shooter was standing uh, with the bloody corpses and torn apart corpses of those poor children, as well as those who were still alive and dying. Uh, we don't seem to be merit. We don't merit the truth of it. We who are trying to report out and know uh, exactly the uh, extent of the, the horror of that 72-minute wait, um, because uh, the press is the enemy. For also for our uh, our governor, who has said absolutely nothing. Uh, about Uvalde for days now, since uh, I believe since he gave that erroneous um, press conference right afterwards, and then admitted that he had uh, been misinformed and therefore had misinformed the public. Uh, so he, uh, the attorney general has put the quietus on uh, any news to the press for um, up until her investigation of the shooter is over. And that investigation is undoubtedly going to last until the midterm election is passed. <laughs> so so uh, I think that's giving, she's trying to give Greg Abbott a chance to be reelected, mm. uh, despite Uvalde. I think that's uh, the reason why there's suddenly a, a, a ban on any further news. Uh, but and that in itself is shocking. And uh, the ineptness of the police response was shocking, obviously. And the other reason that people were more shocked and emotionally involved, I think, with this shooting was that each student and the two teachers were presented to the public as real human individuals with their hopes and their dreams and their special quirks. And they were not mere numbers, but they were individuals like people we all know. And so, therefore, we could feel grief and horror at, at the waste of these wonderful lives, especially the children. But as a former teacher myself, I also grieve tremendously for the teachers who tried to protect those children. Mm. Okay, so um, I have given the local level, uh, and I'm not talking about the Uvalde people themselves. I think uh, many of them, uh, some of them uh, went to Washington and uh, testified to their reactions, including an 11-year-old girl. Um, so the people are willing to talk, but... Um, of course, they don't want their the funerals that I think uh, are continuing. I'm not sure, but I think so. They don't want their their funerals um, uh, interfered with by the press. 
and the press has been very careful not to do so. But uh, police from outside Uvalde, so helpful police from surrounding towns have come in, and they have barred the press from even standing across the street on the sidewalk, which is, of course, public, and they have a perfect right to stand there. Uh, But they, too, uh, like the state government, somehow believe that the press is the enemy, and therefore we have to be uh, as harsh against them as possible and keep them away from finding anything out. Um, But anyway, um, so the people themselves are willing to communicate with the press, but have been more or less prevented from doing so. Now, what have the people been doing uh, to express their grief at the local level? Uh, we have much, many visible symbols of grief in the form of those memorial crosses to begin with. Right away, those crosses appeared with the names of all the people who died. We've had food brought in. We've had candles uh, brought and lit. We've had flowers We've had stuffed animals. We've had all kinds of other mementos brought and and left. And people come singly and they come in groups to pray. They even they're still doing that now. Okay, now on last Sunday there was a meeting of the Lupana Society, uh, of which I am secretary, which is a special society at the church, and I'm a Catholic. Uh, and Our Lady of Guadalupe is one of the appearances of the Virgin, which uh, is particularly sacred to the people uh, from uh, Latin America altogether, all and especially in Mexico, where she appeared right outside what's now Mexico City. Um, and um, during that meeting, we were informed that a couple, uh, Yolanda and Frank, by name, had had driven 80, the 84 miles to Valdi to take rosaries down there and hand the rosaries out to the people uh, who are grieving. I'm, I'm sure they, they took them to the local Catholic church. And um, we have a group of parishioners who, who create, who uh, uh, who construct rosaries. So we have a good supply of them, and so pro- we probably took a hundred or more. Uh, I have no idea. I didn't ask the number, but a lot of rosaries to be handed out to the people there in sympathy uh, and consolation for their grief. And for Mexicans and Hispanics altogether, uh, and these people in Uvalde are mostly uh, Spanish speakers. They talk, they speak Spanish at home. Uh, and so this is a special gest- uh, gesture. It's, it's not just routine. Uh, if you compare, for instance, vi- visits are temporary. They last only a moment. Thoughts and prayers are even more ephemeral. Um, you can do that and then forget all about it, which is the usual case. Uh, mementos, uh, like stuffed molds and other things, remind us of the youth and, and the vulnerability of the victims. Food ministers to the body, 
but rosaries. Rosaries are a symbol of the presence of God through Mary, his mother. And they are they are a physical thing that stay with the recipient. It's a permanent thing that can be touched and used and reused because they they embody comforting prayers that can be and that are repeated over and over again. And they're beautiful prayers. So they're not only um not only that, that they form, uh, they they form a spiritual link between the sufferer and who grieves, and God, and the Virgin. So they are spiritual links, but also a consolation, and they are also links with the people in San Antonio, with Yolanda and Frank. So they have given something that's truly significant to the people of Uvalde to console the wounded, the spiritually wounded. Now, nothing, nothing is capable of consoling the grief of someone who has lost uh, a child. Uh, I can't imagine the pit of, of horror and grief that people are feeling down there. The rosary is something they can cling to, and they can say those beautiful prayers. And they mean something far, far more than they would to a Protestant who observes all of this from the outside. It makes a community of all the, uh, the Catholics in the whole area, in the whole country, for that matter. But if we look if we look at what politics uh, is doing, what the state itself is doing, we, I just went through the fact that that our governor has just not said anything. There's silence, and nothing to console the bereaved, nothing at all. Uh, but at the federal level, things have been moving. The House uh, passed legislation. Uh, which, of course, uh, has not been accepted by the Senate as usual. But the Senate, meanwhile, has actually done something, and I believe it is passing. It may be passing right now, um, the, uh, uh, the background checks. Um, so th- they are bolstering background checks that require a greater scrutiny of, of the young buyers. Uh, they have not raise the age of the young buyers so they can still buy if they are legal and have been uh, have had their background check um, cleared uh, they can still buy an AR-15 and go out and uh, and shoot whatever deer with it or whatever and blow that whatever it is apart because that's what AR-15s are built to do as they do, as they did to all those children and the other thing is that, that it uh, uh, requires greater scrutiny. Um, no, it requires closing of the boyfriend loophole. So if uh, if a woman uh, has is in a close relationship with a young man and the young man decides he's going to knock her around and beat her or rape her or whatever on a date, uh, then he will be subjected to a scrutiny that will um, 
cause him to be ineligible to buy a, an AR-15 or any other gun. Oh my God. So, um, so there you are. Uh, those things, uh, there is apparently no uh, red flag. Um, uh, legislation passed. Uh, it doesn't go as far as the House. It does not raise the age to purchase firearms. Uh, it it um, does not ban high-capacity magazines, which the House uh, bill did. Um, but it does win uh, some GOP support, at least enough to get that uh, those two items passed. Um, so background checks and boyfriend loophole closed, at least those two things. So, um, so we have done something, and um, this this breaks. A, if you can imagine it, it's a logjam that has lasted 30 years um, when no uh, legislation ever on guns has gone through. So uh, we are actually doing something, and it's Uvalde, thanks, thanks to, to this, uh, the increased attention and horror over Uvalde that this has been able to pass. Uh, so um, I think there's they may have uh, established an in investigative period to review uh, juvenile mental health as well. Uh, that's also written into the Senate um, law. Uh, I'm not absolutely positive about that, but it's being passed right now, so I'm sure the, uh, the latest newscasts will, will let us know. Um, and so, um, we do not have uh, red flag laws that allow people to uh, confiscate guns from people who may pose a threat uh, of suicide or threats to other people. Um, it, would, it leaves it up to the states to do that, so there will be uh, perhaps a hodgepodge of red flag uh, legislation around the country. So it'll be different uh, in Oklahoma than it is in Texas if any kind of red flag legislation gets through Texas. Um, so uh, there's a lot that needs to be done still. But the good news is that some tiny steps have been taken. And I guess everybody, including uh, Senator Chris Murphy of Connecticut, who is the man who has worked so steadily and so uh, dedicatedly to uh, getting something done about guns in this country, even he is going to take it. He'll take what we have, what we can get, because it's a beginning. And there we are. Uh, the whole thing, of course, uh, of guns in this country is based on the Second Amendment. And the Second Amendment is very problematic uh, because it says uh, a well-regulated militia being necessary to the security of a free state, the right of people to keep and bear arms shall not be infringed. 
And so the gun people believe that it says the right of people to keep their property shall not be infringed. They forget about that those people are supposed to be in the well-regulated militia. And who is regulating the militia? The federal government. Yeah, of course. In other words, the military, the people who are in the military should have guns, according to the Second Amendment. Right. <laughs> and nobody else. <laughs> but that's not how it's read, because we take one, one half sentence and build an entire empire on it. And a, a huge fortune for those who manufacture and sell guns. Yeah, it's it's amazing. I, you know, the it's cliche. I know, but uh, you don't need an AK-47 to shoot a deer. And uh, you know, I'm all for hunters. I, I'm not a hunter. I, I would never shoot uh, an animal, you know, unless it was coming at me or something, you know, something like that. But um, uh, you know, I'm not against hunters. I'm not against people that that want guns. You know, that uh, want guns for you know, even sport or, or whatever, it's it's the machine guns. It's the, it's these <laughs> weapons. The, these are the same weapons that, and I think you brought this up as a point, that they're using in Ukraine to destroy people. And that's really the only reason that these guns exist, is to destroy people. So why why is there, and this is the argument, you know, and, and it's, uh, you know, some of this has become cliche, but cliches are cliches because because often they're true or they asked so often. But uh, why exactly do we need uh, AK-47s and these other uh, automatic weapons? I, why do we need these weapons other than, than for war? And, and that would be... Exactly. Yeah, That's that, that what they were reason. invented for, yes. They were invented to kill a lot of people in a short time and to kill them dead, boy, like taking off their heads and uh, and blowing their bodies apart. And they are not for sport or uh, or for hunting because they uh, they destroy whatever you shoot. Uh, the deer would be inedible because it would be so damaged uh, that uh, that you couldn't use the meat. Uh, and uh, and so forth. I mean, the uh, these are weapons of war. So who, to whom do we to eight-year-old children, for God's sake? Yeah. And it blows my mind, and it makes me furious every uh, At eighteen, I didn't know what I was doing. I didn't know who I was or what I wanted. Uh, it takes years and experience to know what you want and what's really uh, right and wrong. Uh, and these little kids, uh, even if they're six feet tall at 18, uh, really are too immature to have a weapon of war. And why have a weapon of war available to a civilian in the first place? So, um, you know, I mean, all, as you say, all of this, are, all of these things I'm saying are cliches, uh, and everybody knows it, and yet the Senate will not probably even pronounce the name of the gun. They won't say AR-15 or AK-47 or machine gun because they're so scared of, of the, actually, it's scared of the electorate because the electorate now has those guns, and why? Because they've been told 
that the government is going to come in, uh, come after them in black helicopters, all dressed in black, and and come in and take their guns away. And who are these monsters? The Democrats, of course. So. <laughs> wow, I, it's just what you know. What are we? You know, what are we doing? I mean, what's what's going on here? I, by the way, at the time, the uh, uh, the Constitution was uh, was was written. Uh, there was the idea of a, a machine gun was I, I don't know that it exists. I don't think until the Civil War uh, that machine guns uh, of any kind were um, were, were uh, invented, right? I mean, certainly back in the Revolutionary War, no one had a machine gun. For sure, they had muskets. For heaven's sake, front loaders. And it took at least uh, two or three minutes to reload, so you had one round of ammunition, uh, and, and it was a ball that didn't go very far with not very much force, uh, and it could kill you if you were close enough. Um, that's true. And if you hit in the right place, it would kill somebody, but uh, chances were that you would miss. <laughs> And then you would have to hide until you had the darn thing reloaded. Uh, so it was not a very effective weapon of war yet. And yet, as soon as possible, we invented the machine gun. And I thought that the first effective use of the machine gun was World War One, but I may be wrong. Yeah, no, they. I don't think there was some type of um, repeating rifle. Uh, yeah. Repeating rifle during the the Civil War. I forget what it was called. Maybe a Gatling gun. Um, and yeah, then... yeah. And of course, there was a six shooter too, a pistol that, that repeats. Right. Uh, so yeah, uh, but but it wouldn't automatically no. shoot. No, 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 definitely not. And you had to pull the trigger over and over. Yeah, uh, yeah I mean, just think about it. That's just a little over a hundred years ago. Um, mm -hmm. That you know, World War One. Uh, just you know, a little more than a hundred years ago. But the the other thing is, let let's keep in mind that at the time of the Constitution, at the time of of the Revolution, uh, most people needed a gun, and I would say the majority of the the people needed a gun to to get and uh, support themselves with food, right? Yes. So the thing is right. that you, you know, you everyone has the right. To have uh, to bear arms, uh, well, you know, you, if you took that right away from them, they wouldn't be able to eat. Very few people yeah. in this world, well, certainly very few people in this country, need a gun to eat to survive, right? Mm -hmm. I mean, it's uh, it, you know, we're we're a, a nation of of feasts. We're a nation of junk food. We're a nation of of everything else, uh, it, Doc, you, you're not saying to me, "Are you going? Uh, are, are you going out to dinner? Are you? Uh, are you? Are you going to shoot your dinner tonight? Are you? Are you going to get rabbit tonight? Are you going to get deer tonight? You know what are you going to get? You know I'm getting right. McDonald's. How about or, duck? Yeah. How about wild duck for dinner? Yeah, yeah right. Or turkey maybe, you know, because uh, there were turkeys back there in the east where <laughs> where people uh, mostly were. And out back west, I mean, out west, people needed guns uh, to kill varmints like uh, mountain lions and yeah. bears and, and uh, varmints like that, uh, besides killing their dinners. Uh, so, yeah, guns were, were back then. They were needed. Uh, but nobody 
if nobody conceived of a gun that would blow apart the animal or the, the environment that you were shooting. And now we've got it, and we have one that'll spit out bullets uh, because we have magazines that are high capacity, and of course those are not mentioned by the Senate either. Uh, and so uh, we still have um, 18-year-old uh, kids who uh, can buy magazines that hold, uh, say, 30 rounds of, uh, of ammunition. So kill 30 people in in 30 well, well less than 30 minutes, and uh, probably in 10. So, or even less. <laughs> it does not make sense to have those weapons out in the populace, and yet they don't dare at the Senate level. They do not dare to talk about taking those weapons out of the hands of civilians. Do you know, if, if I could, Columbine, when Columbine happened, I believe there was a national day of mourning right afterwards. Yes. Do you know why there's yes, no, there was. You know why there's no national day of mourning? Because they're constantly happening now. Ever yeah. since Columbine, uh, this has become a, a, an occurrence. And I don't know if it's the Internet, you know, the emergence of the Internet, uh, uh, instantaneous recognition when you do something outlandish, outlandish, uh, evil, pure evil like this. But uh, but Columbine was such a unique situation at the time that everyone was so shocked and it, we've mm -hmm. almost become numb because there, yes. there's so there are so many school shootings. You know, there's yes. a I, I don't know what the statistic is, but if you Google uh, school shootings right now, uh, it's not <laughs> like five this year. It's not like 10. It's uh, there are dozens of school shootings that we don't even yes. hear about half of them. Shooters ought to realize 
uh, they're not going to have their name up in lights anymore because uh, of the frequency of this whole thing, and the people are taking it for granted. As monstrous as that is to say, but it's the same process as getting over a traumatic experience in psychology or psychiatry. Just amazing to me. I, I don't. It, when did you, when did you start noticing, um, mass shootings? I mean, when, you know, to me, my Columbine. Yeah, Columbine was the. I think it woke everybody to the fact that this, and that they're out there that can do it. Uh, and then, of course, uh, then then it, it began to rain mass shootings after that because every madman uh, or mad kid, um, angry at something, uh, or just wanting to be uh, out there in lights, you know, a hero for the moment or, or a villain for the moment, but at least by everybody on the planet. Um, uh, it, it, they all decided they would imitate that, and they did. And we have allowed it. The National Rifle Association has seen to it that we have done nothing to stop it until now. Yeah, amazing. I mean, the first time I heard of a mass shooting like this was through a song, and I don't know if you're going to know this song, but uh, I'm just doing this by memory, but there was a song in the 70s called I Don't Like Mondays. It's been remade many times, but it's a tongue-in-cheek song by a band called the Boomtown Rats and Bob Geldof, who who created um, um, uh, We Are the World. What, what do you call that uh, program? Um, you know, where they were feeding Ethiopia. Um, I, I forget the name of the, the, the group, but they, he got all these celebrities together. He was the organizer for... Um, uh, for feed the world, you know uh, the 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 thing. Now he wrote a song, a tongue in cheek song, which I'm sure a lot of people would think is uh, is in poor taste now, but it was called "I Don't Like Mondays," and it was based on a young girl in England where he was from, um, and a news story uh, about this young young girl taking her father's, sh uh, I guess, machine gun to school. And she, you know, she shot a bunch of her friends on the school, uh, on the playground. And <laughs> the, the song is all about that. And, and I don't like Mondays because I think they said to her, you know, why would you do something like this? And I think she she came back with, I don't like Mondays or I hate Mondays or, oh. or something like that. And it was, uh, you know, tongue in cheek because, uh, you know, I guess uh, very, you know, edgy um, humor. I mean, nobody would be joking about it now, obviously. I shouldn't have joked about it then, but it's actually a wonderful song. And, um, mm -hmm. and but it, it talks about the, the mental illness. Um, I think there's a line, the silicone chip inside her head uh, was switched to overload. You know, another, he's talking about her mental illness um, it, uh, taking off. But if you get a chance after we're done, Doc, and, and, and to those listening, uh, Google I Don't Like Mondays. It's a song right. uh, by <clears throat> Boomtown Rats. And listen to the song. And, and also, you know, uh, you know, I'm sure there's a Wikipedia page on it, and it'll tell oh, you what it's, what it's about. But that's the first time, <laughs> and I was a kid, 
that I ever heard about a mass shooting was, uh-huh. was that. And and really, it was it, after that, it was Columbine that stands out to me. And then after that, it just, uh, I don't know if it's all copycat. I don't know if it's, yeah. it's kids that are that are suicidal and, and they figured, you know what? Why be suicidal when I could be homicidal and take a whole bunch of people mm-hmm. with me? And yeah, it's, right, it's right. terrible. But I, you know, look, we we started out with um, uh, uh, Uvalde, and we should uh, we should end here, uh, full full circle in Uvalde. Uh, what do you what do you think the result will be um, of this? Yeah, I mean, do you think there'll be any change in the world? Any wor- uh, any change in the sentiment? Uh, to this uh, because of uh, Uvalde. Uh, and, and again, keep in mind we had Sandy Hook, which was a very similar type situation, right? Uh, similar type right. situation where children were, were mowed down. Are you seeing uh, a movement, any movement uh, to, uh, to, to stop this uh, being successful in the near future? I think it's going to take, <clears throat> excuse me, I think it's going to take more mass shootings, uh, which will demonstrate that the uh, faltering steps that have been taken by the Senate uh, were not sufficient uh, and did not uh, stop uh, 18-year-olds from uh, from taking out their fury, uh, their frustrations uh, on their fellow students. Uh, and once that becomes clearer, that the background checks and uh, and boyfriend uh, uh, checks uh, are are not sufficient to stop the murders. Uh, then maybe something more will be done, and and bit by bit, little by little, we may get to uh, taking it seriously. That perhaps everybody shouldn't have access, especially at the age of eighteen, uh, to machine guns. Uh, but it's going to take a long time and a lot of deaths, I'm afraid. Yeah, terrible. What a terrible situation. Doc, uh, thank you uh, so much for uh, thoughtful um, uh, thoughtful thoughts on, on this or thoughtful sentiments on all of this. It's heartbreaking. And, you know, somebody, I, I don't care where you are politically. I mean, if, if, uh, if someone doesn't understand the the human element of this one i don't i don't think they're human and uh mm-hmm. you know it's you know a parent's worst fear and i'm uh my wife and i have four children is uh, is to lose a child and there's all types of expressions that um you know for example a parent should never have to bury a child and all this well it, it more and more this is happening and it's just terrible and i uh you know i hope I, I hope uh, th- that there's something that can be done to uh, to curtail this horrible epidemic of, of mass shootings. It's just it, it's tremendous. And a lot of people, as you said, many of the things you said, Doc, uh, uh, said amen after you, you're done, I'm sure. Thank um, you. Yeah. Well, Doc, thank you very much. And um, and, and if you have anything to add, please uh, give leave us with a with a thought. Well, I'm just hoping that uh, that the uh, the movement that the legislation that is going through the Senate right now will actually make a difference and will save lives. I'm sure it will save some, and and thank God for that. But we need much more.
many more safeguards before we're going to be done with this epidemic. Crazy. Just a, a crazy world that we're living in at this point. Uh, Doc, thank you very much. You're most welcome. And to all of it, was a, it was an awful subject. Uh, I thought it should be aired um, once more. But has to be has to be talked about. It's it's uncomfortable, but right. it has to be talked about. Uh, Dr. Florence Byham Weinberg is the author of 16 books, including The Choice, which is her latest, and Before the Alamo, which is right prior to her latest. Uh, get the books, please. Frank McKay signing off. We'll see you all next time on The Florence Weinberg Show. <laughs>